You totally made that up. We are a bi-weekly history podcast that tells you the wildest, craziest, nuttiest stories from yesteryear, ones that sound like somebody must have totally made them up. But they're all true, and we especially like the ones that have supernatural, paranormal, woo-woo elements, so those parts may only be true to the people who live them. We don't go for the lore says or the legend goes, though. We want dates and names and all the facts that we can find. My name is Nash. My name is Tiff. And we are your hosts. These are different, though. These are the mini-episodes that sometimes come between the big ones. We call them spooky snacks, though they don't always have to be spooky. The key element is just being plain old nuts. And it doesn't matter if these are just legends and lore. We sneak in facts where we can, but nobody cares. They're all for fun. And we want you to join in on that fun. These can be based upon submissions of your personal, family, or hometown stories, as well as suggestions for topics you'd like to hear us discuss. And then sometimes they're about things we want to talk about that aren't long enough for a regular episode or just that are timely, related to something maybe in the news or to a holiday. And in this case, it is a host choice, mine specifically, and it is under the category of timely. You'll be getting this episode several weeks out from said timely, but it counts. I'm surprising Tiff with this one. She did not know it was coming, which I'm sure delights her to no end. Oh, it does. Yes. I'm ready. What is it? What's going on? All right. The thing that has prompted this is the recent news that one of the Zodiac Killer's ciphers has finally been solved, and that's been confirmed by the FBI. Did you know this? Yes! (laughs) Isn't that bananas? I love it. (laughs) Yes. Well, then you're going to love this story. And so everybody else, hang tight if you happen to have no idea what I'm talking about, because I'll give you the basics in a second. But here's what the FBI statement out of the San Francisco division said. And this was on Friday, December 11th. And I'm leaving a few bits out, but I'll link you to the tweet and show notes so you can read it in full. The FBI is aware that a cipher attributed to the Zodiac Killer was recently solved by private citizens. The case remains an ongoing investigation for the FBI and our local law enforcement partners. Even though decades have gone by, we continue to seek justice for the victims of these brutal crimes. Due to the ongoing nature of the investigation, and out of respect for the victims and their families, we will not be providing further comment at this time. Okay, so you're quick and dirty on the Zodiac Killer. In the U.S. and the state of California over 50 years ago in 1968 and 69, there were five murders and two surviving victims total that are attributed to this guy. And we do know it's a man because, like I say, there were survivors, and they were able to give pretty impressive descriptions. It's a handful of sketches. They're really good, and I'll stick them in show notes. So he targeted couples, and part of me thinks it's just smacks of early incel stuff, like he couldn't get a girlfriend or something. I don't know. But these people would be out on dates, like sitting on a blanket at the lake or post a date, talking in the car, just regular stuff. And he would come up and just shoot them at close range. And then one couple he stabbed. Oh, and by the way, these were not necessarily secluded, nobody else is around type spots. There were other witnesses who told the cops about who they saw. Anyway, talking about the five murders, the last one was not a couple. It was just one man, and at first they thought it was a robbery gone wrong, that there was a little weirdness in that part of the bottom of his shirt was ripped away. 
Two days later, the San Francisco Chronicle gets a letter from the Zodiac Killer, and inside there was also a piece of that bloody shirt that was missing. And he took credit for the murder, so there you go. That's how that one made the list. And in a follow-up letter, he stated, quote, that two policemen stopped and actually spoke with me three minutes after the shooting of the last victim. So we've got somebody that apparently on some level has little fear of being caught and really craves attention because in addition to not choosing secluded spots and all these letters to the media that I'm fixing to tell you about, he also wore a distinctive costume. He wrote a letter to a prominent attorney saying that he wanted help. He purportedly called into a TV show. I mean, you know, Honestly, if it were even a smidge in the future, like maybe even as close as in the 80s, he probably would have been caught. There's just no doubt in my mind because he was just so daring. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And again, assuming it was him at all, but I can't imagine if he was a fake that the real killer wouldn't have spoken up. And there's likely stuff we don't know that makes law enforcement pretty sure that this is all the same person. There is so much more detail. So much more. Watch David Fincher's movie, Zodiac. It is quite good, and it's based on the true crime book chronicling the case by a Robert Graysmith, who was a political cartoonist for the San Francisco Chronicle in 1969 and got obsessed with the case. I mean, self-admittedly obsessed. Now, regarding the letters, four of them were coded. They were cryptograms. They were ciphers. You know, instead of using the alphabet to make words, it's a bunch of little tiny shapes. And in case you aren't familiar with these types of things, The deal with them is that to make them work, like if you're sending coded messages during wartime and the enemy gets hold of them, you don't want them to know the contents. So to make them work, somebody on the other end has to have the key, the thing that tells you, okay, squiggly line with a triangle means A, the circle inside of a square means B, and so on and so on. But there was no key for the Zodiac letters, of course, hence all the years of tons of people trying to parse out what the hell he was saying. Regarding the recent solving of the 340 cipher, and this particular one was sent to the Chronicle in 1969, not a whole lot of detail out there as of the recording of this episode. Basically, all we know at present is that it was done by some amateur code breakers from around the world, from the U.S. and Australia and Belgium. And it's, I didn't even say this, sorry, it's called the 340 cipher because it had 340 characters, and I'll put a picture in show notes. It doesn't give the name of the killer, naturally, that would have been too helpful, but Part of it says, quote, There was some audio corruption during this part, so hey, why not make it creepy? I hope you are having lots of fun in trying to catch me. I am not afraid of the gas chamber, because it will send me to paradise all the sooner. Because I now have enough slaves to work for me. So, just a few screws loose, this one, just a few. Also regarding the letters, he did communicate with non-coded letters to law enforcement and the media as well. And there was that one that I noted that was to a lawyer, and I'm pretty sure there were others that went to random folks other than law enforcement and the media. But again, I'm just giving you some loose background. And so at one point, he claimed to have killed 37 people, though the five that I mentioned are the only ones officially attributed to him. Then he goes completely silent as of the early 1970s, both in terms of murders, at least murders in the same style and or that he took credit for, and in terms of communication. So that's your very skimmed over scoop on the Zodiac. So, meantime, I had tucked away something for one of these shorty episodes because, well, I mean, it's probably been a good month by the time y'all hear this, but for me, it was also recently, like maybe not even a week before the Cypher news came out. 
There was a Twitter thread that asked, what behind the scenes of Hollywood movie would you like to see made? And the weirder, the better. And then the OP clarified that they didn't just mean behind the scenes shenanigans from making movies. They also meant scandals and gossip and rumors and all that jazz. Such as if you could learn the truth about some tea that had gone around. And it was a marvelous thread. I laughed my ass off. And then one caught my eye. It says something to the effect of, that time a guy made a movie about the Zodiac Killer to try to catch him. What? Uh Uh-huh. That was my reaction as well. And I looked into it, and I decided y'all needed to hear this story. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So a man named Tom Hansen had moved to Los Angeles from Minnesota. We're in the 1960s. And he found some success by becoming a fast food franchise owner. He owned like 60 to 70, including KFCs and some called Chicken Delight and Pizza Man, which those must be local because I personally have never heard of them. On the side, he would dabble in the acting world. He had, quote, acted or worked on half a dozen small film projects since arriving in California, developing contacts and friendships with a number of performers and crew members, which becomes important for him, as we will see. Meantime, as just covered, in 1968, San Francisco starts getting terrorized by the Zodiac Killer. And also in the meantime, Hanson's chief investor goes bankrupt. So he was about to lose a bunch of his fast food locations. He had been toying with the idea of doing a little independent film anyway, and quote, as 1970 passed with no breaks in the case, Hanson had an audacious thought. What if I do a movie and set a trap to catch him? I thought he'd go see a movie about himself. He'd have to. Which, yeah, I'll buy it, because as noted, the killer is clearly hungry for attention. And apparently, in one of his letters, he talked about who should play him in a movie. I'm not even remotely shitting on this idea. I actually think it's kind of brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I totally get where this guy's coming from with this idea. Good plan. Scary, but good plan. Yeah, no, it's absolutely, I'd be scared to death. But he apparently, I mean, he goes full force. He gets busy. He recruits some of the friends he's made from his dabbling in the acting world. And for a budget of around $13,000, they crank out this grindhouse-esque movie called The Zodiac Killer in early 1971. I mean, they've made it in a few weeks and took a few more weeks to edit it. And this cracked me up. One of my sources mentioned that the speed at which they went was most notable, saying it was, quote, a fact that becomes obvious when, at one point, a scene ends with the director audibly yelling, cut. In terms of getting the script together, Hansen actually got to meet several times with one of the Chronicle's journalists who had been covering the case, a guy named Paul Avery. And the plot is not entirely accurate. They took liberties, let's say. And it's basically that the Zodiac Killer is a pissed-off mail carrier who goes, ha ha ha, postal at night. Further, (laughs) one of my sources describes it thus, quote, a ramshackle mix of melodramatic restaging of true events and relentless weirdness as his version of Zodiac worships Satan in the basement of his modest home while pet bunnies stare off into the middle distance. (laughs) (laughs) Pet bunnies stare off into the middle distance is the best... I don't know. We might, I, 
I'm trying to figure out a title for this one because I, I got a few. There's there's more zingers in here. So just wait. But pet bunnies. Oh my god! If your film doesn't have pet bunnies staring off into the middle distance, I don't want to see it. I just I tell you what. New standard. Part of the cost goes to advertising, and I'll put a poster, one of the film posters in the show notes, and booking a week-long run at a theater in San Francisco. And Hanson has a plan, one that he didn't tell police about because, quote, they might have tried to stop it. Yeah, yeah, but you're right. (laughs) Because here's what he did. He convinces six friends, including the actor who played the killer, to watch the crowd during the showings of the film. Like one place said he'd ha- he had somebody in the projection, somebody was set up across the street, somebody was here, somebody was like, you know what I mean, he had them spread out. But that's not all they did. It wasn't just trying to spot anybody who was acting sus. They arranged a sweepstakes, and every audience member got a card to fill out as their entry. It was for a motorcycle that they had on display up on this little raised stage in the lobby. Now, on the card, they were asked to complete the sentence, I think the Zodiac kills because and then drop it into a slot by the motorcycle. What the audience didn't know was that hiding inside that stage, underneath said motorcycle, was one of the friends, and he was comparing the handwriting on the cards to the Zodiac Killer letters that had been published in the papers. And quote, If he saw one that resembled the writing in the published letters, he could flip a switch, activating a light that another team member hiding inside a freezer would see. With a match, I, I know, I know, hang on to that thought, put a pin in that, With a match, Hanson would attempt to corral and hustle the suspect into an office to detain him. And his bravery came from the fact that, as he said in later interviews, he had been held up by robbers more than a few times when he would be working in his restaurants. And I guess he felt that if the Zodiac Killer did show up, he wouldn't try to murder him in front of people? Question mark? Maybe. Would you take that chance, though? I don't know. But you didn't mishear me. There was a freezer in the lobby. And I thought, Do they mean in concessions? No, they did not. Per Hanson, in an interview, quote, It was an ice cream freezer. When the manager of the theater wasn't there, I brought in a freezer, which we had hollowed out so a guy could lay in there. Kind of cramped up. I mean, I'm glad that nobody wanted ice cream, I guess. (laughs) And yeah, by the way, the theater managers and owners were most decidedly not in on any of this plan, which I'm sure you've already guessed. But anyway, it's the co-writer who's in it, peering out of the vents, observing the audience, in addition to watching for the signal, and is also slowly getting suffocated. And I know this because, quote, during one freezer stint, he nearly passed out. In all the confusion, someone had dropped a card declaring, I am the Zodiac, I was here, but no one was inside the stage to evaluate it in real time. Because they were busy, I guess, doing CPR or something. (laughs) Oh my god. But, you know, possibly a miss, but probably just somebody dicking around. Okay, we're now at the last night of the run. Hanson goes to take a pee break. He's at the urinal. Somebody comes in and chooses the urinal right next to him. Rude. Rude. It's rude. I don't know how men use urinals. I mean, I know the mechanics. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that the modesty aside, for this reason alone, trying to pee with somebody right next to you, I I can't. I can't. So the other man starts talking about one of the gory scenes in the movie and comments that, quote, you know, real blood doesn't come out like that. And Hanson says, quote, I zipped up, turned, and saw the same face that was on the wanted poster. Same eyes, nose, mouth, hair, everything. I thought, son of a bitch, it's him. (laughs) 
Son of a bitch. Do something, man. Hanson follows him out into the lobby and, quote, we grabbed him and basically threw him inside the office. But says that the dude didn't react. He just went along with it. And then, trying to see if he could get any sort of reaction, Hanson lies and tells the dude that his brother was that last victim that I mentioned, the one with the ripped shirt. And he says that the dude, quote, didn't blink. And one of my sources says that they got accusatory, that they weren't hiding why they had brought him in there. But the dude is real conversational. He's chatting up Hanson's friends. And eventually, they feel comfortable enough. They're just like, okay, man, you know, sorry. They're apologizing and they let him go. And I mean, they have no choice. It's not like they're cops. They can't hold him. And, you know, perhaps someone should have called the cops while they had him chatting. Maybe. Maybe. Just a thought. I don't. I can't believe that didn't happen. I know. I can't. I, mm. Then the next day, the dude actually comes back by the theater and said to Hanson, quote, I just thought I'd stop by and see if everything is okay, and then left. Creepy, creepy, creepy. This is like brilliant and bonkers and the worst sting operation, or is it the best sting operation? I don't, I can't decide. I really can't. I think it's a neat idea. I mean, I know the cops and all probably wouldn't have paid for it to be done, but if somebody volunteered to do it, then hell, why not get on the action? But I get the impression they had no idea. I don't know. In one interview, he kind of alluded to the fact that he let cops know that he was hope. I, I think he just kind of was like, you know, I made this movie and I'm, you guys want to come see it and maybe he would come see it and maybe you should check out the crowd or and they weren't interested. That's the impression I got, but it wasn't outright said. So anyway, it's Hanson done. No, he is not. But he has to get back on his feet financially. So he moves to Wisconsin for a while and comes back to California then decides to track down the dude from the theater. Like, (laughs) (sighs) okay. They didn't say how long this was, but it was a while. And he did have a lead because part of entering that sweepstakes meant that you had to give your contact information. And the dude had mentioned what hotel he was staying at. So they knew which card was his. They had his name. I'm going to speed run the rest of this. He had contacts, Hanson did, in law enforcement after all. And I can't tell if these folks were still on the payroll or retired detectives, maybe a mix of both. But in turn, they, of course, still have contacts in the department, such as fingerprint techs and handwriting analysis experts. They devised a plan that involved faking the dude winning a prize, getting him to sign for it, then pretending they'd made a mistake and taking the package back. So now they've got his fingerprints, except the tech couldn't lift any from the box. They also spied on him via the traditional, totally not suspicious van with blacked out windows. They would tail him. At one point, Hanson says getting into a full-blown chase. And then regarding the handwriting, some places say that it was not a match, but Hanson insists that it was, that he was in the room when their expert confirmed it. So, okay. I don't know. I feel like if it was a match, the FBI would have been all over this, but okay. The worst thing, though, is per Hanson, and I hate to laugh. I'm sorry. This is bad. Quote, we got him fired from the Bank of America because one of the goddamn detectives wanted to look at his file or something. And when the guy in the personnel department asked why he wanted to see it, this dumb fuck, I was in the office when he called. He said, we think he could be the Zodiac Killer. I thought, shit, I'm going to get sued. The guy didn't, the dude didn't seek retribution. I mean, I guess the dude didn't, how could he ever know that this was handsome behind this? I guess, 
unless Hanson made himself known. This whole thing, listen, this whole thing is a hot mess. It's just, it's great. Now, the authorities who were officially on the case were eventually brought into the loop. And they were like, this isn't enough. We're not seeing what you're seeing here. But the way it reads, it sounds like Hanson and these associates of his were keeping all the evidence because then he says that one of them stole the file and that he's never seen it again. Fast forward. In 2017, the movie was re-released on Blu-ray and it has an interview with Hanson and some other little features included, like a little bonus documentary. And I think there's also a full documentary out there about this whole thing specifically, but I couldn't tell. And frankly, I didn't bother looking. Sorry. But I'll close with this which is also the closing of the very lengthy interview that is a wild, wild ride. And I've got it in show notes for you if you want to check it out. It's a hell of a read. So the interviewer says when he's wrapping up, he goes, it must have been frustrating after all that effort to not catch the guy. To which Hanson says, in part, quote, I still think it was successful, but it broke my heart that I couldn't pull it off all the way. And to this day, I still think I'm right. I think we grabbed a guy who did at least one of those Zodiac killings. I'll tell you his name so that when they run his DNA and find out he was involved, you'll know I was right all along. His name is dot, dot, dot. I mean, what a beautiful way to cap off the interview. (laughs) That is just, I mean, chef's kiss. And as of the writing of one of my sources in 2017, Hanson confirmed that the dude was still alive. Ooh, that was amazing. Isn't that just absolutely batshit? This whole thing is just... I mean, like, in my head, I'm picturing this as, like, this horrible wannabe Ocean's Eleven kind of a... (laughs) kind of a thing with people hiding in freezers and underneath motorcycles on stages. And it's just poorly, poorly done. Oh, my God. It is very high state. You're right. That was a wild adventure that you just took me on. I am so grateful. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed. I mean, all of this Zodiac news has just been like a weird early Christmas present. (laughs) Oh, so, I mean, are you into, I mean, not into it. Like, I know you've not got like a shrine in your basement or something. I don't mean it like that. You haven't been to my house. You don't know. That's true. It's true. I think it's interesting. It's, I mean, it's one of those mysteries that has just plagued people for so long. And to finally have it have some answers, they're cryptic and not really answers. But all I can think of, and okay, you guys, I, so you know how you spells paradise with a C instead of an S? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So when they solved it, However many times paradise is in the answer, it's in there like three times and it's D-I-C-E. And <laughs> I've seen a lot of people, you know, making jokes about that, which in my head, all I'm thinking is like, oh, paradise, like a pair of dice. Then like, I'm like maybe he meant something else. Maybe it's something totally wrong. What if I solve it and it's a pair of dice and he's a gambler and he's in Las Vegas and my mind just totally went off the rails completely. And then, of course... Two Tickets to Paradise just was playing in the background of my head. So if anyone wants to know how my train of thought goes, that's it. (laughs) So don't ask me to solve the Zodiac Killer. No, (laughs) no. But that is funny, Paradise. I wonder if he was, that was some sort of joke, like he was trying to be funny or, I mean, he's weird. Mm -hmm. 
Like you can, I don't think that, I mean, I think it's put this way. I think there are many things on the Venn diagram with the middle circle. If the middle circle is murderer, right? There are many things on that Venn diagram that overlap. I think we can all agree that, you know, screws being loose, violent, it could be on there. Like there's lots of things. Weird though, to me, doesn't necessarily always have to be on that Venn diagram. I don't, you know what I'm saying? It's one of those mutually exclusive type of things. Like I don't, I don't think it necessarily Mm -hmm. correlates. Like you don't have to be weird to be a murderer. And this dude's weird. Yeah. Uncomfortably weird. Exactly. Exactly. That's why I think I get what Hanson is saying that when you've got a weird dude strolling up, parking himself at the urinal next to you, and says, yeah, blood doesn't spurt like that out of a body. And you go, the fuck? And then turn your head. And he's got <laughs> those same glasses, same haircut, same everything. I- I'm surprised he didn't zip his wiener up. And I, I just, I, did, I personally would have just been jaw dropped. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That that had to be a moment of just like, okay, be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Oh, my God. I'm going to die. Be cool. Be cool. Yeah. <laughs> unreal and unreal that he talked about how in the interview he was talking about how yeah we talked kawasaki into donating a motorcycle what yeah did anyone actually win the motorcycle don't know don't know this is an excellent question and did a motorcycle have anything to do with the movie i don't know i haven't seen the movie i don't plan on watching the movie i didn't read a detailed synopsis of the movie beyond what i've told you all here about bunnies staring into the middle distance (laughs) were they perhaps atop a motorcycle these are questions I have. Did the mail carrier killer ride a motorcycle? I don't know what the tie into the movie was at all. Yeah, I was really wondering about that. Like, wow, a motorcycle. It's just a weird thing that I want to know. Not relevant at all. N- none of this ties into anything. Like, I don't, the whole thing is just, I don't even know what to say. I don't even know how to close out this episode. They're trying to out weird the weird. And I don't think they did it. But I still, there's a part of me that thinks this plan was really genius. Because, yeah, he's clearly so attention hungry. Yeah. Maybe the cops should have been part of it. Correct. Correct. I feel like that could have been pushed a little bit more rather than a guy chilling in a freezer. Yeah, I think if the cops had known that they were doing all this, like I say, I get the impression he was just like, hey, I did this thing. If you, I just want to let you guys know about it. If you want to come down and check out the audience, because I feel like this Zodiac asshole is the type to want to feed his ego. But if he told them, we're going to, it made me think of that episode of Punky Brewster where Cherry gets stuck in the fridge. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay, well then I'll edit this. Maybe like five people listening will know what I'm talking about. I know I used to watch that show, but no, I don't remember. I remember like nothing other than it existed. Apparently, the backyard behind the apartment building turned into a dumping ground because there was an empty refrigerator sitting out there and they were playing hide and seek. And Oh, that's a lesson learned right yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And I think her name was technically Sherry, but in my mind, Punky always called her Cherry. <laughs> Maybe it is Cherry. I don't know. But yeah. It was a whole, it was a very special punky episode where they showed them doing CPR on this kid. Mm -hmm. And of course she sits up and she's just fine. (laughs) All good. Lesson learned. This has been a weird episode. It has been a weird episode. That's appropriate though. It is. And let's see, you guys will be hearing this after Christmas. 
So hope y'all had a happy holidays and that you enjoyed the Christmas episode and keep listening. You'll hear how to contact us, where to find us on social media. And this is where the catchphrase goes. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, you can check out our sources for each of the episodes at our blog, along with any other supplemental things we think you might enjoy. Just head over to youtotallymadethatup.tumblr.com and in the menu, click on show notes. We're also on Twitter at YTMTU Podcast and on Instagram at You Totally Made That Up. You can contact us at any of those places and you can also email us. That address is you totally made that up at gmail.com. We love hearing from you, whether it's ideas for episodes, your own personal or family stories, telling us what we can do better, and telling us what we should keep on doing. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider taking a moment to rate and review on your platform of choice. Or if you know someone who may like our content, send them our way. We're so grateful for our listeners and would love to add even more people to our wild podcast family. 